Hi folks, welcome to Agency Unfiltered, the HubSpot Solutions Partner Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Dunn, and Agency Unfiltered is a weekly web series and podcast that interviews the owners, founders, and executives of agencies and services providers from around the world about whatever it takes to grow and scale. This week, we have on both Connor Jeffers, founder and CEO of Aptitude8, and Brandon Greer, head of HubSpot Ventures, to discuss the launch and investment into Happily. As you may have saw last week, HubSpot announced an investment into A8 Labs, the app studio founded by Aptitude8, to launch as its own software company, which has now been rebranded as Happily. And so we start with Brandon, where he walks us through the history of HubSpot Ventures and his perspective on Happily's addition into our investment portfolio. He shares what sort of criteria he looks for when analyzing investment opportunities and what the relationship looks like between HubSpot and the companies within that HubSpot Ventures portfolio. Brandon then gets into the Happily investment specifically, including what he's most excited about and the value that he sees this bringing into the broader ecosystem and community for both partners and customers. Connor then walks us through the Happily announcement from his side, including both the rebrand and spinoff and launches its own independent company. He shares how the team has historically positioned itself within the HubSpot ecosystem and how, if at all, he sees that changing with this investment. Though the one thing that remains unchanged is Happily's goal to enable partners in building higher margin services, an expanded menu of services, and improving their capabilities to both sell and service better. We then collectively look ahead and discuss the Happily roadmap for 2023 and beyond, thoughts on how other solutions partners should be thinking about the app ecosystem at large, including the opportunities that exist for them as both app builders and technical consultants. And so for those seeking to expand into the app ecosystem, Connor shares important caveats and considerations to help determine your team's readiness. Agency Unfiltered kicks off right now. Connor Jeffers, welcome to Agency Unfiltered. How are we doing, gents? Hey, happy to be on the song. Good uh, to see you again. I know. Yes, uh, uh, after two date, uh, we've had you on a couple times, uh, uh, and so it's great to get you back on. And then Brandon, uh, we always love getting some HubSpotters in the mix as well. So appreciate you being here, uh, here to represent HubSpot Ventures. I think good, good to be here. And thanks for thanks for having us on. And hey, Connor, good to see you. Good to see you. Uh, well, let's start uh, with you, Brandon. Uh, for those that may know or may not know, I mean, just give us the download. Uh, who are you and what is HubSpot Ventures? Uh, and we'll unpack it from there. How's that sound? Two, two very different questions. Who am I and who is HubSpot Ventures? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm Brandon. I've been at HubSpot for about four and a half years. Um, I initially started on our partnerships team as we thought about our partner strategy. At that point, you know, we had probably sub 200 app partners who were building and had listed sort of apps in our ecosystem. That number is obviously well above a thousand, um, only four years later. Um, and as we began to define the strategy, it became clear that HubSpot, which was kind of entering big company territory, had the rare opportunity to use its, its balance sheet to affect ecosystem growth. And so the kind of, uh, the, the genesis story of HubSpot Ventures really is, you know, hey, we had this rapidly growing ecosystem. Imagine if we made investments in some of those top partners. Um, and fast forward to today, uh, you know, we're now a pretty high velocity corporate venture arm. I run HubSpot Ventures as part of um, our corporate development team. 
uh, and we're making on average 15 investments a year. Uh, and of course, uh, the uh, reason this group is assembled uh, here today is because uh, we uh, recently, or I guess are now announcing our investment in Happily, uh, which is uh, part of um, the sort of uh, constellation of brands from Aptitude 8, uh, which is obviously uh, an incredible uh, partner of ours. And so um, we're super excited to bring Happily into uh, the HubSpot Ventures family. Thanks, Brandon. Uh, thanks for the lowdown. And yes, it, certainly some exciting news. Uh, and to your point, uh, sounds like uh, we're making an investment in Happily. Uh, but wait, Connor is part of the Aptitude 8 team. So maybe you can fill in some of the gaps there, Connor. Maybe I'll pass it your way, my friend. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, this investment is into uh, eight labs, and then we're, we're doing sort of a, a rebrand around Happily, which I'll, which I'll talk about in terms of the name. But um, Dax was, I think, on the show a while ago. If you haven't heard that episode, Dax, I'll talk about this a whole bunch of like, what is eight labs? What are we up to? Um, but the short recap for us is that uh, eight labs builds apps on top of HubSpot to sort of extend what the platform is capable of, um, sort of taking a lot of the insights that uh, Aptitude 8 on the services side uh, gets from customers and different builds we're doing and sort of finding areas where we think that we could be uh, creating applications and software to solve different customer gaps. Um, and so with the happily sort of rename uh and uh, we're really excited about it it's fun uh dax and i were kind of going back and forth uh in this mind meld of like different name ideas and and we really wanted something that sounded very uh hubspotty but we didn't want it to be something boring like app hub or, or something else and so in in building apps um we always worked with uh the hapi key or the happy key uh pre-private apps um, and we knew we wanted to build lots of apps, right? That was kind of the, the core mission of, of what was A8 Labs um, for a bunch of different use cases. And so uh, with Happily, we're excited. I, I think my, my new mantra is all, all businesses I build, we're going to pick uh, adverbs for because now all of our apps are built happily, uh, which is pretty cool and fun. Yeah, I will say happily is misspelled, so you may want to give folks a, a little. Comment. Yes, there's one. There's one P uh, for the for the H A P I key, <laughs> and it is is happily dot com. So it's H A P I L Y dot com, which is live right now. Uh, yeah, that's helpful guidance. Like for those are jotting down the name or looking to type it into their browser now. But yes, right. it's the connection to the 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 H A P I happy keys. Yeah, love the yes. connection there. Um, uh, Chicken or the egg? What what drove the rebrand and in, in kind of this relaunch of Happily? Was it HubSpot Ventures' interest in investment? Uh, is your rebrand what sparked conversations with Brandon? What's the order of operations here, and what what kind of drove this initiative for uh, Aptitude Eight? Yeah, sure. So so this this comes post on on confirming the investment, and I think um, that there's kind of two pieces for us of having happily be really independent from from Aptitude Eight, both as a, as an entity and as as a business structure, but also as a brand. And so the the first one is that we really believe that there's an opportunity to build a really substantial software business, uh, creating apps in the HubSpot ecosystem. We think, we think the upside of that is really, really high. Uh, and software companies have fundamentally different economics. And so splitting this out as a separate business uh, made a lot of sense from a practical perspective and was one of the driving factors originally um, in working with Brandon and the Ventures team was that uh, this is really separate from Aptitude 8 and it's not sort of mixed with, with the services side. Um, the, the second piece for us is that a core customer of ours on uh, eight labs and, and now the happily side has been other HubSpot partners. So we're working with folks like Remotish and went partners and cobblestone and hype and Dexter uh, and a whole bunch more. Uh, I don't have the time to list here um, who've been able to 
not only sell some of the uh, Happily apps into their customers, but wrap additional services around the apps themselves. So they can come in, they can do implementation, they can add services to their customers around some of the apps that we're doing. Uh, and we've heard some like very reasonable concern around, hey, if I have this customer for you guys, is that something that you know, is, is A8 going to work with them? Like, how does that relationship work? Uh, and while we've always internally had it very separate and uh, we don't sort of see that as as an area of conflict, I think it's a very reasonable sort of like concern for people to have. Uh, and so with this split, Happily is totally independent of Aptitude 8, has its own EIN, its own CRM, its own database. Uh, there's no ownership of, of Aptitude 8 of Happily. Uh, and they're totally- And it's, and it's own investment uh, from HubSpot. <laughs> yes, and its own investment from HubSpot, exactly. Uh, and so Aptitude 8 is a Happily partner, uh, just like some of the other amazing HubSpot partners I mentioned above. Uh, and we're really excited to do a lot more with, with other HubSpot partners as well. That's awesome. That's that's super helpful framing. Uh, you did uh, open this, and I think we'll get there. I'm gonna put a pin in it for a moment, but like some of the uh, opportunities in front of partners about leveraging the app ecosystem and, and some of the apps you have, in, and you've teed that up for us perfectly. We'll sure. parking lot it there for a second, but it sounds like the value here uh, is like, all right, how do we just proactively uh, calm any concerns of A8's agency arm sneaking into these engagements when another solutions partner uh, wants to leverage the apps? And so this sort of split. Uh, certainly puts a kibosh on any concerns of, yeah. of that happening, even if from the get-go, that was never the the primary directive of AA, right? Yeah. That's great. Brandon, what about uh, companies like Happily, uh, previously AA Labs, uh, uh, or the other you know uh, ecosystem apps or investments that you've made? I know you mentioned 15 investments a year now. Uh, businesses like Happily, what's attractive? What, what, what criteria do you kind of benchmark these companies? What do you look for? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So, you know, HubSpot Ventures has um, many types of investment, uh, you know, sort of uh, routes, I'd say. So, you know, at, at the core, we make investments in uh, partners that are, you know, augmenting or accelerating the core HubSpot experience. And so that actually could be a vendor partner. You know, we're investors in businesses, you know, uh, for which we have, uh, you know, long standing or significant uh, vendor agreements. We're uh, investors and businesses that are sort of, you know, top tier uh, from an installs perspective, uh, partners in our app ecosystem. Our investment in Happily is actually a first of its kind investment. I mean, you know, the, the model is actually more akin to an app studio. <clears throat> and, you know, you've begun to see as, as ecosystems mature, <clears throat> you end up seeing, you know, a range of, uh, you end up seeing a range of uh, sort of players that are direct participants or they invest, you know, in that ecosystem alongside others, you know, happily decided to go all in on HubSpot. And that is, you know, number one, one of the more kind of attractive things um, about the investment. But just zooming out a little bit, I'm a trained VC at my core, you know, my work before HubSpot and my work at HubSpot is to make uh, sound investments on, on the business's behalf. And so we start every investment diligence process with um, a set of questions around each deal. And, you know, those questions all have to get answered uh, well before we decide, you know, uh, is there relevance for the HubSpot customer base? Now that's, you know, usually the line in the sand for us, which is, you know, hey, you know, yeah, it could be the best investment ever, but we're not going to go make a, a, a deal with some infrastructure provider that never touches our base. Um, in this case, you know, this is a business that we believe has a truly attractive market opportunity, a truly attractive TAM, uh, as well as, you know, hyper uh, uh, relevant applications for our base of customers. And so that's kind of what makes, I think, Happily a very unique but 
quite exciting uh, investment for us. I think you know uh, there is an opportunity to to build a multi multi million dollar uh, business uh, in our ecosystem, which uh, unto itself is a pretty incredible thing to say. You know, obviously there are uh, longer standing and more mature ecosystems out there. You think. Uh, Atlassian, you think Salesforce, and they actually have their own examples of app studios, think like an app fire um, in the Atlassian ecosystem. There are others out there and actually standalone products and businesses that are, you know, generating themselves tens of millions of dollars. I think HubSpot is really at that opportunity, sort of that that inflection point in its sort of ecosystem growth where there are opportunities for true uh, standalone vendors to generate uh significant revenue. Um, I, and I can't place an exact number on it. You know, a lot of uh, outside research firms have tried to do that. Um, but I think it's significant. And, you know, at minimum, we know that the software spend on top of HubSpot well exceeds the software spend on HubSpot. Uh, and the opportunity sort of that surrounds the orbit of HubSpot products is, is a large one. So, um, you know, it's going to be pioneers like Connor and team that kind of are the early movers in our ecosystem that end up making hay from this. And I think it really is a big opportunity. I was thinking of just some of our other partners like Schema Helper, Hub LMS, uh, Currency Rate. Uh, there are some companies that are making moves in our ecosystem and they're all the better for doing it early. Yeah, it's exciting. No, thanks. It's a, it's a great perspective to have like on the inflection point uh, that HubSpot's at as in the ecosystem's at. Um, I loved your note too about uh, the importance of finding uh, apps or companies that can augment the customer experience, right? Uh and, and so actually, let me flip it back over to you, Connor. Uh, you mentioned Dax has come on before. And so he's given us a little bit of a perspective on, well, how AA Labs has historically positioned itself and kind of what drives uh, that, you know, the app studio, what gets prioritized, et cetera. Now that uh, Happily is in the HubSpot Ventures portfolio, uh, does anything change with how you want your team or this company positioned within the ecosystem? Yeah, I, it's a great question. I think uh, everything that Brandon touched on is is absolutely right. And I don't think that uh, our mission or what we're up to changes. I think that the investment really speaks to, I think, alignment there at its core. I think we really look at our goal with all the different products that we're building and, and will continue to build is that we really want to help kind of three main constituencies for us, right? So the first and most obvious one is HubSpot customers. Um, we really want to help them enhance the already powerful HubSpot platform and accomplish things that they can't out of the box without needing to do custom code, bring in a partner. I think the extensibility of HubSpot, even in just the last 12, 18 months, has expanded dramatically. And there's so much that service providers can do to really tailor the solution to a particular customer, a particular business. Um, but there's still there's expense, there's limits to what you should and can build on, on the service side. And so we really want to come in and build things that help those HubSpot customers achieve things that uh, maybe they can't do out of the box. Um, the second category for us is HubSpot partners. Um, we really want to help HubSpot partners sell more HubSpot uh, and sell more HubSpot services and sell higher margin services by delivering them alongside our apps, right? And so we'll talk about some of the upcoming stuff that we have, but the lens that we look at new app development through is, are we expanding the core HubSpot TAM in some way? Are we allowing for HubSpot to sell into an audience or a sector or an industry that uh, and, and actually move the close rates there? Or are we allowing for a HubSpot partner to deliver a service and they can do that at higher margin because the app helps them accomplish things that uh, would be really laborious or impossible to do themselves? Um, the sort of third category for us is HubSpot reps and people that are customer facing at HubSpot. Um, we really want to help 
sales reps, access net new TAM, expand use cases into prospects, land bigger deals because an app that we've created sort of allows for something that a customer gets really excited about. Um, and so we're already seeing this happen with Zebra, uh, which is our, our Stripe integration that's live right now, where customers are actually opting into enterprise um, just to get access to custom objects so that they can sync in subscriptions and transactions and leverage all of the HubSpot power. And it's really helping those prospects sort of see oh, wow, like if I have custom objects, here's all these amazing things I can do with them and make it really tangible for their particular business. So our, our kind of mission is to, to help all three of those groups achieve the things they want to achieve uh, and help them do it with HubSpot. And Connor, you're missing a, a critical fourth constituency, which is uh, the listeners of the Agency Unfiltered podcast. Right? <laughs> I mean, they might be the most, you might put them right at the top of that list. But yeah, no, that's super helpful. Uh let me pull on this a little bit. And then, Brandon, I'm going to ask for your reaction to it as well. Uh, what's on the roadmap for Happily in 2023? What's the areas of focus? What's the emphasis point? What are you most excited about from a development perspective? Uh, where are we heading from here? Yeah. So the, the biggest thing that we're working on right now uh, is uh, events. Um, so Aptitude 8 does a ton of event production for customers inside of HubSpot. Uh, and so what we find is that if you manage digital or in-person events, uh, you do a lot of orchestration uh, across all of those event pieces. So for digital events, you're going to go create an event in Zoom, you publish a landing page, you send an email, you can configure workflows for registrants and attendees. And the event, if anything changes, right, you now have to go update it in all of these different places. Uh, and the data about your event and who registered, who attended, lives in a bunch of different locations. And so on the services side, we spend a lot of time helping companies do that uh, and orchestrating all of those different systems together. And for in-person events, you're doing mostly the same thing, uh, but then you're also trying to sell tickets, which is happening in, in yet another platform like Eventbrite. Uh, and you're trying to coordinate sponsors and update event sponsorship on your website. And you're managing that in CRM. So it's kind of all over the place. So our upcoming app, uh, and we're launching a beta uh, in February, uh, is aptly called Orchestrate. Uh, and so uh, Orchestrate will do all of the native event management right inside of HubSpot uh, with an event object, a sponsor object, uh, dynamically generating emails and CMS pages off of all of that data. Uh, and so not only will this put all of the data about your event management right inside of HubSpot, um, you'll be able to manage and, and produce an entire event uh, all on top of the HubSpot platform, which we're really excited about. That's awesome, man. That's amazing. Yeah, event-led strategy is so critically important. I think uh, uh, you're going to get a lot of ears and eyeballs and interest in, in something like Orchestrate. Uh, Brandon, two layers to the follow-up question for you. Um, uh, in what way are you or the HubSpot Ventures team involved with or offering feedback to reactions on you know, road mapping and, and 2023 plans? But then I guess we could also take it more broadly and just, in general, what does the relationship look like between uh, a company in the investment portfolio and HubSpot and the HubSpot Ventures team. You know what I mean? Totally. I, you know, I think um, to to be very direct, I mean, we have painstakingly tried to keep a very vibrant democracy in our ecosystem of uh, apps that truly get voted up by customers. And a lot of that, I can't take credit for. I mean, that is the work of Scott Brinker's team. I think of all of the partner managers that are like consistently thinking about ways to get um, distribution leverage and, and marketing attention to, you know, those, you know, thousand plus partners that decide to invest in HubSpot. And, you know, again, a lot of uh, credit due to that team, but also to our product team that, you know, thinks about extensibility as a true kind of source of competitive advantage. And so it's those APIs that get pushed out public. It's, it's sort of the developer 
advocacy that happens as, as apps get, get apps get built and apps get listed. Um, and and HubSpot Ventures was never designed to disrupt that. Uh, HubSpot Ventures was designed to make uh, investments uh, to seed additional uh, participation in our ecosystem. So our, our thought is, you know, if there are areas, call it white space, call it sort of adjacencies where our product uh, sort of uh, leaves the baton to get picked up, um, we make those investments in those categories, we make those investments in the leading players in those categories as we see them. Um, but that really doesn't have much impact on our support of the other many companies building in the ecosystem with or without our investment. And so, um, you know, when we're, you know, I guess VCs fundamentally, you're selling money, right? And, you know, when we're selling money from HubSpot Ventures, what we're selling um, is sort of our commitment as it would be sort of an ecosystem to other partners um, with, you know, a real sort of intent to strategically enter that category um, from a partnership perspective. And to think that there's a lot of sort of uh, value for our customers and having um, that app develop, having that integration listed. And that's the real uh, sort of meaning behind the, the investment. Um, and of course, you know, uh, I think there's a, a lot of uplift from a brand perspective, just brand association that some of the companies get and working with us. But I, I think our principal goal as a business is to keep our ecosystem super open. Yeah, I love that. I think you would, the, the soundbite there too was, hey, we're seeking to seed participation, not present blockers to. And it's like, no, we That's want right. to enable folks to fill the white space, the open space, right? I love That's that. right. Um, uh, all right, Connor, we put this in the parking lot earlier. Now it feels like the appropriate time to revisit it. Uh, you also gave us, I think you named a few partners out there that have been able to successfully leverage uh, you, you know, the, the Happily apps, right? Um, how should others, solutions partners at large, be thinking about the app ecosystem? Uh, what opportunities exist for them? Uh, what sort of value does it bring for their own business? I think you mentioned uh, higher margin services is a, a point of emphasis for your team, but what opportunities exist and how should they be thinking about app ecosystem as a place of value for them and their clients? Yeah, so I, I think if you're a solutions partner, um, really look at apps as a way to sell services and, and make HubSpot more effective. Um, I think everyone hears from Yamini and the rest of the partner crew that you know the goal for solutions partners is to sell and service. And I think that our, our goal with some of these apps and what I think solutions partners should be looking to do is use the app ecosystem to help you do those things and sell and service people that uh, you, you struggle to or you struggle to do so profitably uh, today. And so we already are seeing this beyond just our solutions with folks like Arrows and Org Chart Hubs. I think both friends of the pod, uh, and they're already doing this. And I think that solutions partners can be using apps as a way to expand their service set, uh, just like they do with HubSpot itself, right? Just like you look at a service hub launches, and now you can wrap a bunch of extra services around that too. Um, and so we're launching a partner program in the next month or so, uh, and we want to work with people that want to resell our apps, get commission, uh, build services packages around the apps. Um, and we're also looking for for implementation partners for both Orchestrate and Zebra. Um, those are products that require a fair amount of setup and, and HubSpot expertise to really use effectively. Uh, and so we're looking to refer out new, new customers of both of those products to HubSpot solutions partners. And so hit up me or Dax or uh, check out happily.com in our, our partner section and let us know if you're interested. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll have to send folks uh, that are interested your way. It sounds like too, at the end of the day, uh, leveraging apps to both expand your menu of services or offerings, uh, but also just allow you in general to service uh, and sell better and more effectively, right? Um, either I'll let either of you hop in here, uh, or maybe both. Um, is the baseline for partners at this point, uh, or should it be 
Uh, how can I best customize the CRM for this prospective client? Uh, how do I maximize the extensibility of the data within HubSpot? Is customization and extensibility of the CRM platform, is that the new baseline or should it be? Yes, yes, and yes. I mean, I, I think uh, everything you're saying. I was waiting, but I, I was, I was going to yeah. give it just as emphatic of a yes as Brandon. Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think um, it's also a two-way street. I mean, it's, it's on HubSpot to make sure that um, the CRM remains extensible, right? And it's on us to make sure that, you know, we can service use cases through partnerships, through, through integrations that serve up market customers. I mean, you know, we say um, SMB all the time and, you know, um, we don't always sort of capture the nuance that oftentimes businesses that are categorized as S often becomes become M, right? And, and M become sort of bigger and they graduate into sort of enterprise tiers. And so, you know, it's obviously strategic uh, to HubSpot to ensure that, you know, folks don't sort of reach uh, high school and, and head to a new destination, right? Um, it's, it's important that we sort of have something on campus for them as well. And so from my perspective, um, the, the beauty of, happily, the beauty of a uh, app studio spawned from the knowledge of uh, an agency, effectively, right? That is that is a magical pairing because um, you've, you've spent all those years capturing the essence of what HubSpot customers want. You are, you know, conversational to fluent and the APIs available to, uh, to our uh, developers and, you know, that one plus one really equals something more than two. And so I think the, um, the, the, the real kind of pain point, um, particularly as experienced by like enterprise customers or folks that want to go super deep um, from a customiz you know, customization perspective, um, it's going to be sort of the happiest of the world that helped them get there. Uh, and I feel really confident in that opportunity. That's exciting. Connor, any, any additive or anything, any supplemental sound bites to that? Uh, I, I think I, I totally agree. I think the thing that we really see the opportunity of is, I, I think is, as Brandon is mentioning, I think we're already seeing HubSpot become more and more and more viable uh, and not just viable, but actually preferable uh, for larger and larger customer segments. And uh, I think that in order to do that well, HubSpot can't build everything for everyone. Um, and that's the reason why the, the solutions partner ecosystem uh, is growing to the degree that it is. And I think the opportunity for services partners is is huge. Uh, and, and I think that the we look at the the app opportunity as being able to serve those bigger customers and, and have that be aligned to kind of the strategic goals of HubSpot and, and hopefully really expand the number of people that uh, are able to not only use HubSpot, but really thrive uh, on HubSpot, the CRM platform for, for their business. Yeah, I love that. Now, uh, Happily, certainly, uh, isn't the only... Uh, uh, you know, app development arm that was, uh, you know, came from our uh, services provider agency ecosystem, right? Uh, there's a, a other partners out there that either uh, also uh, seek to build apps for the marketplace and the ecosystem. Uh, they do already, or maybe they would like to, or they want to, right? So uh, uh, based on the playbook that you've successfully been able to execute, Connor, I guess my question is uh, for those partners looking to, to seek uh, expansion into the app ecosystem or app development as an offering, what can they take away from your journey? Were there any lessons learned, any, any tips, anything that they can action, uh, to avoid, you know, strife, pain points, friction, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, I, I think 
the the first thing is like a caveat for anybody looking at this and saying, oh man, this is really exciting. We should go build uh, apps and expand into this is software is really, really, really expensive. Uh, and, and we spent pre-investment uh, with, with the ventures team, hundreds of thousands of dollars on product development uh, in, in 2022 and, and in 2021. Um, and it's a totally different business than services. Uh, and I think if you're, if you're really trying to do both in the same business, it's going to be really challenging um, to be successful. Uh, and, and you're going to borrow you know, borrow marketing time or development time from your, your agency folks, and then things don't get done. And, and I think the expertise is really different, right? I mean, when you're doing services development versus, you know, cloud and application development, um, it's a really different skill set. And so we were really intentional at the outset that we knew this was a different business with, with different economics, different value props, different sort of staffing and, and team requirements. Uh, and so we split those uh, at the outset. Um, and I think the other strategic way to think about this is if, if this is something you are interested in um, or if you're currently doing it and, and you're wondering, you know, what could we be doing differently is you can't look at the services business as the customer of what you're doing on the, the product and app side. And I think, I do think there's a strategy there. I think that there's partners, uh, you, you mentioned sort of the Hub LMS crew, and, and I think Remington and his team do this really, really well, where they're building products and software applications that help them sell and expand service sets. And I think that that's a really, really cool strategy. And I think that's something that, you know, even Aptitude 8 will probably continue to do into the future. But that's very different than building an app an app and a product that's designed to stand alone and service a customer and not have services wrapped around it itself. Uh, and so I think strategically looking at this as I'm trying to help other partners and I'm trying to help other HubSpot customers without them being a services customer itself. Uh, and so honestly, my recommendation for most folks is if you're building an awesome services business, uh, is you're, you're really better off working with existing app providers in the space and finding a way to collaborate with them, uh, expand services that they need you uh, as much as you need them um, versus building software themselves. And I think that that's really complementary to the motion they already know and understand and are good at of, of working with HubSpot themselves. Connor, do you have a robot in your windowsill? Uh, I, it's not a robot. Uh, it is a Lego ATAT, uh, and it's great. I I recommend Legos in general. I, I have no ability to sit down and like relax. Uh, and so <laughs> I, the only way that I can like sit and watch TV with my, my fiance is if I'm doing things at the same time. I was so. looking at it. My, my attention deficit is kicking in a little bit and I was uh, staring in on your, your Lego. It's good. I'll send you one. I'll send you yep. one. You just have to, yeah. it's, it's a lot of hours of building time. Nice. <laughs> Even in, uh, even, Hey, I gotta, I gotta turn off, you know, I gotta, I gotta wind down. It's, uh, you wind down by still building. The yeah, I, can't, I can't. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not a bad, it's a disease. Uh, it's, <laughs> I can't stop. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not building. Yeah. Uh, Lego, uh, sounds like they're moving to, uh, Boston for their headquarters. They I just are. saw that as well. Really? That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So maybe we'll have a more I'm gonna direct have to tie that one in. I'll go do they're, some tours. They're, they're, North, they're North American headquarters are coming oh, yeah. to Boston. I think they've got a, a pretty big presence uh internationally but yeah that's exciting times and Con, i think uh your interest uh and passion for building legos feels on brand i guess you know i, I if i made that hypothesis you know i, I it would have been true so I, the, kind of the hunch i was leaning on so that's it feels yeah, on yeah, brand for yeah. you you know uh to your point though right uh the caveat was critically important i think as was the distinction between uh thinking about this sort of building through the lens of well uh uh, services customers versus standalone, right? And like, who is the audience that you're building for? I thought that was an important distinction. I think I, I floated this to Dax too. Maybe I'll ask you as well. Uh, 
I've been led to believe that there's a, a, a talent shortage of these types of skill sets for partners to seek out and hire and, and bring onto their team. Uh, uh, any recommendations, tips, like where should people be looking and how can they build a team with the know-how uh, for, for things like this? You know what I mean? App development. Yeah. Uh, I think, A, if, if you're like, I, I'm interested in that, should I go do that? I'd say yes. I think that the, the opportunity set uh, as the ecosystem grows and as there's there's more businesses like Happily itself uh, growing and, and spawning out, I think there'll be the demand's only going to go up. So I think if you're interested, go learn that stuff. Uh, if you're trying to hire these people, it's definitely challenging. Um, I think we look a lot at, we're going to have to teach people things. So we kind of look at two sorts of profiles. Um, we look at folks that come from what we really like is people who come from some of a, a sales or a marketing background and, and went into kind of a, a boot camp or did something else to learn the technical skills. And then we can sort of build on top of that. And they kind of have the mindset and the understanding for uh, the end users that we're trying to create things for, plus an interest in in app development in general. And we can sort of educate and train them. That's sort of one profile on the junior end. Um, and on the senior side, uh, things get expensive, but really looking sure. at people who have sort of that the AWS application architecture uh, skills and talent. Um, Dax and I are very lucky that we have Tyrone uh, in in the background here, making sure that all of our our big infrastructure is is working and humming along. Um, but I think that you also look for folks who have that experience, and I think also ideally. Uh, building on platform is really different. Um, you're, you're really building things that fit into functionality that the platform has. And uh, we see that as a huge opportunity and actually a value lever. Uh, but you know, some some I've seen some developers come in and say, well, this is annoying. They already have this UI and I don't want to use it. So I'm going to build my own thing. Uh, and you really have to think about what you're building is how is it complementary to what the platform already does. It's a great call. And also to your point, you had mentioned earlier, I think in the previous question, like, hey, software is really expensive. And then you said, well, on the talent side, as you get more senior, you know, that also has significant yes. costs associated. So again, no, that, another caveat. When we say software is expensive, what we mean is people who build people, software exactly. are expensive and it takes time to do it well. Um, well, gents, as we push up on time, uh, I'll, I'll get to the final question in a moment. But Brandon, I'm realizing that we uh, we unpacked Legos for Connor, but what's your what's your wind down strategy? You know how do you how do you take a break? I'm um I'm a I'm a avid home cook. I actually went to culinary school during COVID, partially because I was suffocating in a very small box that I was living in in Boston, <laughs> and uh, my uh, my fiance Michael and I were kind of just like we're gonna need a hobby if we're gonna get out of this apartment, and I always thought that culinary school was appealing, but there was no better time uh, than like, you know, lockdown to sort of do something like that. And so um, I, I try to force myself into the kitchen. The issue now is like, you're a bit of a perfectionist, um, you know, and so it, cooking now is like a multi-hour thing, uh, but I love to do it, particularly for friends. That's great. Yeah. Now you've set such a high bar for yourself of culinary excellence. You're like, I can't, you know, know. it gets thrown out if it's not up to, up to snuff. (laughs) I didn't know that. That's amazing. I have a, we, I would, my fiance and I would love to have a restaurant at some point, but too too hard of a business. Uh, I only want to do it if it's like, I'm I'm okay if the restaurant loses a bit of money every year and it's, you know, it's fine. Uh, It's it's pretty grueling. It's a grueling, grueling business. By all accounts, you just end up living there. You just live there. That's right. Yeah. I was going to say second to building a HubSpot App Studio. It is uh, <laughs> right, that's right. difficult. A lot of uh, listen. I've seen the bear. I think on Hulu. So I know all about. I know all about the. You're ready uh, you to know. go. You're, yeah, you're... I know everything I need to know about it. That's right. You're um, ready. All right. Final question. We we tend to wrap uh, every episode with this. Again, we're going to need a little flair to it, though. The normal question is, you know, what's the weirdest part 
of agency life. Uh, maybe we'll pivot to what's the strangest part of app development life, uh, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll think of another way to ask it for you, Brandon. But let's start with you, Connor. Weirdest part about app development life. Uh, I, I think the wildest thing, and I think this is true of anybody who, who builds products is, uh, it's really amazing when you see someone do something, uh, with a product or platform you've created that you didn't think was possible. I mean, we have a customer who, uh, is a financial controller and, and they built this whole automated, uh, HubSpot dashboard and automation engine for like recouping overdue payments, all using Zabra data. Uh, and they were showing this and asking us a support question or just like, you, this is all you can do this. This is incredible. <laughs> I didn't know you could do this. This is awesome. Uh, and I think the flip side of that is people that want to do things that like you didn't even envision uh, and you are, you have, you're like, I don't think we can support that, but maybe we can. Uh, and, you know, you, 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 I call Dax at late at night and we're like, could we do this? Uh, and, and sometimes you figure it out and sometimes you start building things and realize maybe we shouldn't support that. Uh, but I think it's the, the, the interest and the capabilities of users uh, never ceases to amaze you uh, when you're doing app and product development for sure. You know, it's probably not unlike how HubSpot feels, you know, with Aptitude A pushing functionality to the limit and like trying to do some creative and some unique stuff from an extensibility perspective. You're saying you feel that on the app development side from the end customers for yourselves as well. It's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. It blows, you know? it, it blows us away all the time. Uh, Brandon, what's the strangest part uh, of managing the investment portfolio that you do? What's the strangest part of venture capitalist life? Uh, uh, give me the give me the lowdown. You know, it's, I don't know that I have like a, a super, um, you know, shrewd insight here. I think um, I'm always, I'm always amazed by kind of the doers um, who are the, you know, builders and the entrepreneurs, right? Like, I mean, I think it's like uh, uh, Ray Dalio sort of called like the economy, just like a sum of transactions, but like, it's really like, you know, it's enablers, which I think VC is sort of in a source of enablement. Uh, it's a tool tactic. Uh, but Connor is a doer. And so I, I, I am quite inspired by our portfolio. The weirdest thing is, you know, um, I think just the number of, uh, the number of things out there. I mean, I'm always kind of amazed at like, you know, there's, there's something for everything, uh, now getting built and there probably still, uh, is room for more. Right. And so I, uh, I think that's kind of one of the, the learnings, but, um, overall it's been quite a, quite a cool journey to see companies start from, uh, sort of a, uh, an idea and then become a, a truly kind of thriving part of a category or space. That's great. Uh, well, we are officially out of time. Um, so thank you both for coming on. Congratulations to happily. And, and, uh, obviously for all those involved, on the successful investment partnership with Ventures, the relaunch. Uh, I think there's a number uh, of implications and ramifications and opportunities for the whole partner ecosystem. We've talked about menu expansion and like selling better, servicing better, uh, widening margins. Uh, and so uh, a number of opportunities uh, on the on the tails of, of this announcement. But anywho, congrats uh, to, to all folks involved and, and thanks to you both for coming on the show. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You bet. And for folks that have tuned in, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered.